0: source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off-Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off-Tackle Empire, the only podcast covering Big Ten football for at least a hundred square miles. We could call us this a college of the Central Pennsylvania that is Corona World.
1: Are we? I, I think other people are still plugging away, but yeah, I mean we're so far out here we don't get any cell reception anyway, so we're not going to know about it.
0: Yeah.
1: But the good news is nobody's listening to this from SB Nation anyway so we can say whatever we want they never know nor would they care I mean why would they um we are as a blip on the radar so it's time to talk Penn State I wonder if in spite of last year's kind of under the radar season which by the way was a pretty good one got another New Year's Six Bowl win um did not make the conference title game but when you're a division with Ohio State that's gonna happen you're gonna not make the conference title game very often Do you think Penn State has cemented themselves as the number one contender to Ohio State or not?
0: Absolutely. I don't think losing to Minnesota last year changes that um, because, I don't know, P.J. Fleck could prove me wrong and build a program with sustained national title level talent over the years, but I would need to see it to believe it. I really would. I'm not that's not I'm not discrediting what he did. I'm not saying last year was a fluke. I'm just saying that when you talk about someone that's going to challenge Ohio State year in and year out, probably the guy that has the second most talent of any team in the conference and continues to, to rack up top ten classes is gonna be that contender.
1: Yeah, and so of course we jump to the Minnesota as a possible alternative because they did beat Penn State last year but it was a fairly tight game it was also in Minnesota if I remember right and one of the more hyped up events the program has had in quite some time so not all that surprising that 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 would result in a go for victory although another program tried to make a game against Penn State into a a big program changing event earlier in the season and did not achieve quite the same results sorry Maryland I apologize for the pot shot but it was right there I and take it. Well, so,
0: uh, revisit a constant theme that the, the, the I, I'm always plugging away about is, is, you know, just fans of different programs viewing things like essentially how mundane a season like Penn State had last year must be to Penn State because Penn State and Minnesota had basically the same season last year.
1: Yeah, except Penn State went to an actually significant bowl game, whereas Minnesota went to the Outback Bowl fans of the latter are celebrating like they just defended their national title for the third year in a row. Penn State fans appear
0: to be kind of indifferent to it. Well again, not to mention Penn State didn't have a loss to their blood rival that took them out of the conference title race. Like, (laughs) let's consider how much happier Minnesota fans are despite a crushing loss to handed Having
1: handed over the axe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So so yeah, it's amazing. Penn State basically had the better season. Um, They lost the head-to-head game, but the point is you know, it's how the fans are viewing it. And it's like, I, I, I wonder just how, like, I don't know, if Penn State fans view this season like I viewed the Packers season last year, which is just like, well, I can't believe they won 13 games. It's awesome that they won the playoff game. But, God damn, how the hell did they get railroaded? Oh, I'm going to have to do a little better than that next year. If they're not going to, I don't know. I wonder if I have the relevant experience. But they still did... Uh, play one hell of an entertaining bowl game against Memphis.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, but that, I mean... That's a,
0: that they could hang with the elite of the American.
1: It's an easy thing to do, though, play an entertaining game with Memphis, because outside of that, like, Memphis's games with Cincinnati were both incredible. Um, Memphis, I think it was Tulane I saw them play that was really entertaining, so...
0: Well, it's like it's it's like when you when you wrestle Ric Flair. If the match sucks, it's because you suck. Like he's gonna do, you know, <laughs> he's
1: gonna do his part. Yeah, he's yeah. got
0: he's got a whole reputation as you know he'll make you look about as good as you possibly can. And if the match sucks, it's because of you.
1: Yeah, if you if you can't sell the stunner, how is he supposed to? So, <laughs> so the offense for Penn State was just fine. All right, and that that was not a given, by the way, because they lost a three-year starter at quarterback in Trace McSorley who, was beyond being a three-year starter, felt like one of those guys of great significance to programs. The way that, you know, I hesitate to go this far, but it, the way that Kirk Cousins was to D'Antonio, Michigan State. That's what McSorley felt like for Penn State. Maybe I'm reaching with that comparison a little bit.
0: Like I, I was going to say, like, reminded me of Baker Mayfield, but then it's like, oh, well, then they just got another one.
1: Yeah, well, right, so... <laughs> And it's just also because he's a short, white, dual-threat quarterback. But
0: <laughs> Well, that occasionally does dickish things at opposing fields. <laughs> sure. Yeah,
1: which, again, I, th- I ultimately I think we were both on board with. So they got good production out of Sean Clifford, the new quarterback. They could get two more years of him. By the time he's – I mean, you know, we'll see how he plays he this they year. They also
0: lost the heir apparent Tommy Stevens. Yeah, who, Of course, a, I assume they lost because he – knew he wasn't going to be the heir apparent
1: maybe so I don't recall but there was some discussion of that from Penn State people and I don't really remember uh, I time it was, he but had a
0: lot to do with his relationship with Joe Moorhead
1: yeah where he went and I, but the thing is I don't think he even remained the starter at Mississippi State um, he did not so you know maybe he was never quite the next big thing that some of his cameo appearances might have led you to believe
0: coaches don't lie but they don't tell you all the truth
1: yeah, so Clifford was just fine as a first-year starting quarterback. The thing is, the offense could be a little bit temperamental at times because it was very dependent on the home run ball. Now, that's an easy thing to do when you have a home run hitter like KJ Hamler. Um, he's gone in the draft now. I think he went in the like second or third round. Um, but he, I mean, he he was their number one threat by a mile. Um, they had a good kind of compliment to him and Pat Fryermuth certainly the best tight end returning in the conference. Probably, probably the preseason favorite for the Mackey Award, but, I you know, there could be tight ends elsewhere that I would have no idea about. So he's certainly the best tight end coming back in the conference. Um, they have him back to lean on. They have a really good combo of backs in Journey Brown and Noah Kane, and although they had a former five-star transfer out in Ricky Slade, if anything, it kind of, like, they're going to be fine there because with... Brown and Kane, they now can settle guys into more defined roles instead of they, they had a tendency to kind of rotate last year they didn't even always stick with a hot hand like they would keep changing guys throughout the game even if one was being effective and overall the results are hard to argue with but almost
0: felt like they had agreements on how many carries people
1: should Yeah get. or even if it wasn't a hard agreement like there was some sense like all right well even though Journey's running good, we got to get so-and-so in. Like we you know, have to make sure everybody stays happy. And with one less mouth to feed, maybe that's more doable. Um, they, they need to sort out their wide receiver situation for this year, though. Because now that Hamler is gone, they had Justin Shorter, a former top 10 overall recruit. Transfer out. He's at Florida now. And their wide receivers outside of Hamler last year were kind of not great. Um, John Dotson is decent. He's the guy with the most returning production. And they've got a lot of other guys who have good recruiting pedigrees, but nobody who's proven anything on the field yet, yeah, aside from fire move.
0: Yeah, so I guess it'll be interesting to see just how much they lean on the run game uh, going forward, because yeah.
1: offensive line was really good in the run blocking, not so much against elite pass rushers. But who is really?
0: Yeah, of course. You know that'll only get you so far in uh, the games that you gotta win, because you go know, again. Where we're now talking about the teams like we just talked about Michigan earlier, where yeah, like half of their conference opponents, they can put it in cruise control and just steamroll over them with uh, with superior force.
1: Yeah, with superior talent. Yeah. Uh, the question is when you go up. I mean, they almost blew the game against Michigan last year because their offense bogged down once the home run ball was shut off, and they kept, like they Indiana didn't...
0: just you know going up against them with like you know with with ancient mig nineteens <laughs> you know but 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 the but the courageous spirit of a rebellion sure so. a homemade mortars and.
1: yeah it's i mean in some of these games, it's kind of the difference between having gunpowder or not having it but, Yeah. Um, the question then is what you know what do you do when you're matched up against opponents who have the same tech you do and um Again, everyone in the East is chasing Ohio State. In the Big Ten West, I think it probably feels a little bit more distant because you just worry about getting to Indy and then let the cards, you know, let the chips fall where they may.
0: It's a lot but, like playing Civ, right? When you, you, you know that someone that usually is going to not only tech up quick but also start attacking people. You know that he's over there somewhere on the board, but for now, you can just kind of hang on here trying to build up your forces and just hope that you don't get... You know, hope but that somebody he doesn't yet. pillage your trade routes and stuff. <laughs> and if you do, if he does, you just kind of have to accept it, right? <laughs> just, just, you just, just, just stay out of his way. Just, just keep doing your own thing. If you can just control this region over here,
1: wait until you get your unique unit, you know, that special quarterback that changes the game for you, and then that's where and then you a yeah, and then that's, that's you realize that
0: he's not a fit for your offense at all, and uh, <laughs> then you just uh, you just turn him into a pikeman. <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, so defensively, they have an all-world pass-rushing linebacker, like playmaking savant in Micah Parsons, who's a fantastic star to build around. They're going to need to find some replacements elsewhere. They lose gross Grismatos; he went to draft. Robert Windsor is out of eligibility. Sharif Miller is also gone. Uh,
0: well, they did redshirt some very talented players on the defensive line.
1: Yes, and that's Franklin in the top shelf guys. He's gone for has shown an understanding that to compete. It, this is it's kind of the Urban Meyer model of recruiting, which is find the defensive linemen, find the defensive backs. Um, it's yeah, they have five star linebackers too, but you only need a couple of those guys. The places where you need lots of bodies are up front in the back. Figure out the middle later. Yeah, that, and that's what he's done. So. There's no reason to think that they're going to take much of a step back. Even losing again the back end, they lose Garrett Taylor and John Reed to multi-year, very capable starters, but they still got Lamont Wade. Um, they still got oh the corner, his name escapes me. Do you happen to remember it? Because I didn't put it in the outline.
0: <laughs> I do not. Damn. I just got distracted thinking about the uh, the the Gus Malzahn model where you just. Recruit some enormous interior defensive linemen and then sacrifice some virgins and see what black magic comes and cooks up for you. Yeah, I,
1: I can't omit this. It's gonna it's a big name that I'm leaving out and I just can't think of it. I gotta it's Giana jump out at me. Castro fields. That's yes. the
0: guy. Um, I, I knew it was a hyphen. I knew it was a
1: hyphenated name, name but I was like, if I guess wrong, there's a lot of pieces I could get wrong here. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> they. My point is between him. Um, I was Brandon. Say
0: Sharif Abdul Rahim, but then. <laughs> wow, no, that would have been not even close. Um <laughs> uh, <Mahoud they, laughs> Abdul <laughs> Yeah,
1: Right. Um, <laughs> They they also with Brandon Smith in the linebacking core have a potential star there a former five star player so the defense is going to be just fine they have a lot of new guys and new roles it's fair to say they may have a little bit of a transition period but again the schedule as we know now 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 they don't play until September 26th and they open with Northwestern. At Michigan versus Iowa versus Ohio State, so
0: we did Northwestern <laughs> and Nebraska, who were two of their three crossovers. We did them very early. Yeah,
1: yeah. So you get and again, you know, it's one because as bad as they were in the record column last year, I still wouldn't think of Northwestern as an easy game. No, um, I mean there there will probably be a couple of outcomes this year where the score makes it looks like look like it's a blowout, but it's not it's not like the maryland and rutgers games of of the schedule where you can run your base play over and over again they just can't like they don't belong on the same field like no they're gonna fight they're gonna make you work for it at least for a while um so it's, it's kind of a good thing because this schedule as it is you then go into a trip to the big house and then you host iowa host ohio state so by the time you get to halloween if you haven't come out of the gates
0: firing, you're out of the race. Yeah, and one of the things that you asked that I don't know, we, we touched on, I don't know that we really went into it though, is what what is a healthy way to approach this chase of Ohio State? What, what are realistic expectations to set and how do you gauge success? Because to be perfectly frank, Essentially, beating Ohio State and winning national championships are not very different things.
1: No. Yeah, I mean when you're
0: starting from a position of you're gonna win ten games a year anyway.
1: Yeah. So I mean to to consistently beat Ohio State and go to Indianapolis out of the east, you have to be a top five program in the country right now. (laughs) Like that's the level you have to you may as well like there's nothing specific you wanna do. Yeah, there there is nothing specific that will help you beat Ohio State. It's not like they have like some quirk in the system, like an exhaust vent on the Death Star that you can build your program around beating. Like, For example, the way that Illinois' defense seems keyed to deal with heavy run attacks that they face in the West. Like, There's no special thing you can do, because Ohio State is just across the board so good. All you can do is build the biggest, strongest armada of Star Destroyers you can and fling it at them and hope that you hit enough weak points on a given engagement that you happen to win.
0: So I've, I've played the Final Fantasy XII super boss. He um, has Matt has fifty million HP, and uh, and, and so so I, I battled it for eight hours um, about a month ago, and ended up losing because as it turns out, the closer you get, like after you drop below a certain threshold, he uses a technique where he just doubles his level and all of his stats. Um, And then that's to say nothing of what happens when you get inside of 10%, where he does the Mario boss thing and glows red, and then just, oh, suddenly it turns into, like, 12 hit combos out of nowhere, and the attacks are incredibly fast, and point is, things like Ohio State, where it's just like, yeah, I've got, like, I've got equipment that, you know... It's good enough for pretty much, yeah. Well, I, I went to great lengths to produce all of the equipment that, like, like, I I did some really stupid, tedious, grindy things to dig up this equipment that was gonna work for this. I'm very highly leveled, even with my backups, even with the backup members of my party that I switch in, oh, they can fight, not just take some hits, and I have just about everything else in the game done. That is no guarantee that after eight more hours of this, I'm like three hours into this next one, I won't just lose anyway. So, anyway. As far as how well are they doing on this front, well... Not
1: bad. They they give Ohio Better State a game... Better than anybody yeah. else. They give Ohio State a game more often than not. Um, Better than anybody else. Because so what you, basically because you talk <laughs> about,
0: you remember a Penn State game that they beat Ohio State. Um, but also, you also remember games that Penn State played against Ohio State. And if you're a Penn State fan, your memory of those is, damn it, I just... Uh, it's not the thousand-yard stare you get from Michigan fans asking about any of the last... <laughs> Five Ohio State games.
1: Yeah, it's it's close enough to still be frustrating. They, they, they get which is on good. the
0: field and they, they, throughout the entire game, they deserve to be on the same field.
1: Yeah, so if you're asking what does Penn State do differently, well, there is one more notch they could kick up recruiting. They could go from top 10 classes to top three classes. Um, that would catch you up to Ohio State in a few years.
0: Well, they have to literally take Ohio State's recruits. That's basically it.
1: That would help. But I mean, the other thing is, being in rural Pennsylvania, I would be inclined to think you're always going to be at something of a disadvantage with going into, you know, Miami or Atlanta or Houston and trying to convince those kids to come and play for you. Like, Ohio State doesn't have those problems, um, you know, regrettably. So, Penn, yes, Penn State gets plenty of talent from outside their backyard. They have to. But. It, it, they They're not pulling the same kids from the same places that Ohio State, Clemson, lSU, um, Alabama are. So that's real that's like the only thing that's left to kind of kick it up a, a further a further notch and give yourself more than the once every five years real shot to beat Ohio State. which look that's not the worst thing in the world. like well, what they, was... they have
0: a shot almost every time they play him. Yeah. they just can't mess anything up. Yeah, they, which they is have a, to make that's, fewer mistakes than Ohio State. That's, that's tough, how they won the one game with the blocked field goal return. True, and that's it's just you know yeah you could but it's it you know like almost feels like I don't know if Michigan could beat Ohio State with their best game because they never seem to play anywhere near their best game against Ohio State.
1: I mean, they almost beat them once a few years ago. The spot was good, by the way, but. Um... I'm saying that one, notwithstanding that. Yeah. That's
0: ever since then. It, of course, this ties into my whole theory about how how Harbaugh is just kind of a broken man since that game, um, mm. where it, it really seems like Ohio State cares more about that game than them. But anyway, I guess where here's how <coughs> Penn State could prove to be successful is we don't devolve into talking about the Ohio State Michigan rivalry during your podcast.
1: <laughs> I suppose.
0: That's the that, benchmark for your success that, that in would be this chasing Ohio State thing. That
1: would be a step forward. So, uh, the, the other half of this podcast, of course, is going to be the discussion of Penn State basketball, which for the first, I mean, not the first time ever, but certainly one of a handful of times in living memory that Penn State basketball has not been a thoroughly depressing thing to talk about. Um, and also
0: such a bizarre thing because a couple of years ago, what did you think of Pat Chambers?
1: Well, so a couple years ago I remember before last season when I was putting together the previews for the block and charge cast I was like wait he's in year at like seven or eight whatever year he's yeah. in I was like that's impossible he's in he's only in year two like it's felt like he's that coach who's oh you just he's a little bit more time he hasn't been there very long and then it's been like a decade because um, I
0: think we at some point did touched on this in a basketball guys like a few years ago, where I was asking the question, what exactly is he still doing there?
1: Well, in the conclusion that I came to when I was talking to Aaron, our Penn State guy, about that is he was still there last offseason because the AD doesn't give a shit because he keeps his program clean. They have... A, Penn State's athletic department is doing great. Their wrestling program, as you know, is a powerhouse.
0: It's They've a moneymaker. maker.
1: an incredible volleyball program. They created a hockey power
0: out they of were thin bestowed air. with a hockey team.
1: Yes, it helps to have a hockey sugar daddy. And, well,
0: point you know. is, they didn't make a money make make a big money pit of a program. No, like Illinois was about to until it got coronavirus. That, that was the thing. That's why it was a. That's why I say that it was about as good as they could have done. They got the sugar daddy, without whom it would have just been a money pit. Yeah.
1: So. And that you know that was kind of the that was the sense it was that he Aaron was not the only guy I've heard express that kind of opinion, which is basketball is just not that big of a priority for Penn State. So the guy, I mean, just his like, don't his
0: sex scandal anybody. Yeah,
1: don't sex scandal. Don't be a complete embarrassment. Win, yeah, but remember,
0: win, like, win, win ten games. I don't know. But remember, Pat, Cham-
1: Pat Chambers got this job not because Penn State fired the previous guy because the, he
0: left for Navy.
1: Yeah, yeah, he left for one of the worst jobs. At the at the Division One level after a series of seasons in which most schools would have fired him. So that was the I mean that was level buy-in that Penn State had institutionally for the basketball program. That was why there was there wasn't it didn't feel like there was a whole lot of imminent pressure on him. Like unless he went unless he won seven or eight games over the course of the year, he was gonna come back. But thankfully, in spite of all those issues, these questions about whether Chambers was the guy for the job or not, last year for him, like it would have been for Rutgers, like it would have been for Illinois, like it would have been for a lot of programs in the Big Ten, was a breakthrough. Penn State would have been a tournament team. Um has he, he finally found the right combination of pieces around Lamar Stevens so that he doesn't squander that recruiting coup. Um, well, because that was also,
0: last year, not so much a surprise, but it was better than expected after – who was it that they lost?
1: Um – well, a couple of years ago, Tony Carr left, but he was gone last season oh. as well. He left after his sophomore year. I believe he then went undrafted, and it was baffling, but it also seemed to set the program back you know, for the 18-19 season because well, it did not feel like they expected that.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it seemed like it would have, but as I recall, they exceeded expectations given the context of that.
1: A bit, yeah, but the expectations were not high. And then last year, they end up fifth place in a very crowded and competitive Big Ten Um but that being said, they do have some questions going forward here. So looking quickly at last year, they made use of a very soft non-conference schedule. Um, Ole Miss was their only loss there. They also picked off Maryland early, though, and that was a sign that there might have been a little more to them than just playing a bunch of weak opponents. They also did have the misfortune of playing Ohio State before the Buckeyes you know, crashed back out of the atmosphere. Um, so that was, that ended up being a costly loss for them. If they don't have that loss, they're sharing a piece of the conference title. Um, they then they started conference play impressively, though. They won eight straight conference games once, but then down the stretch, they lose five of their last six. In addition to that early loss to Ohio State that did not age well, they took a loss against Northwestern, the last game of the season. Um, that was a Bad weird one. Thing. Yeah, that was a weird one. On the court, it I mean, everything ran through Lamar Stevens, which makes sense. I mean, he's... Probably the best player in program history. Um, I don't think he ended up. I think he was behind Taylor Battle on the scoring list, but that's not to say that he's not a better player. If you get what I mean. I mean, Battle scored a lot of points because there was nobody else on those teams worth taking a shot. Yeah. So they got enough contributions elsewhere, though, and it was interesting because they really didn't have a consistent second option. They yeah, they had guys that were that had higher averages for scoring than others, but on any given night, they could get a big night out of Mike Watkins. They could get a big night out of Isaiah Brockington or Miles Dredd or Curtis Jones. Um, John Harra improved a pretty good deal coming off the bench as a reserve big. So they had a lot of guys who played bigger roles, but not consistently, if that makes any sense. It felt like as, you know, depending basically on the matchups they got, who had the hot hand, they could usually find enough of a compliment to Stevens to you know put together a good enough game to win
0: man it's just I really don't think it's just my inner line-eye fan here when I say that I really think this was one of the best big 10 basketball seasons that I can remember yeah until it all came crashing to a halt and of course of course our situation sucks for so many more reasons but man of all the basketball seasons to lose for, for you know for people that cover the Big Ten. I guess this was another one man. How far could Lamar Stevens have carried Penn State?
1: Yeah well again we've discussed this in the past but the Big Ten probably would have sent 10 teams to the tournament depending on the exact results of the conference tournament and of those 10 you could convince me that any of them would have been able to make a run to the Sweet 16.
0: If the only thing that would stop them would meet each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be an unfortunate second-round matchup with another Big Ten team. More likely than not to happen, just because they try to keep you close to home, and while they try to avoid you playing conference opponents early on, it happens sometimes. So, it yeah, it's it's hard to say, and it's again.
0: Well, you you got to make sure that like you know that like Duke and Kentucky are well rested compared to Michigan State by the time that they match up.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't want them to have to, you know, stumble in the first couple rounds. But yeah, I mean, consider that. So last season we ended, we actually ended up there was a three-way tie for first place, Illinois by itself in fourth, and then a four-way tie for fifth place with Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, and Rutgers. Ohio State managed to hang on to a fifth place tie, even after going to a month and a half long tailspin, um, which is just bizarre. and then a considerable drop off after that. Although, when you go from fifth to ninth place, that's only a one game difference in the standings. Um, so
0: it's just it's like yeah. one of those Talladega finishes in NASCAR where it's like, oh, I finished 20th. 2 and a half, eight yeah, seconds yeah. behind the winner. <laughs> right. yeah. We were five wide all up and down the track.
1: Yeah, so it was definitely one of the better seasons, not just for Penn State, but for the conference as a whole. So. For Penn State, there are considerable questions, though, because what their immediate future feels like to me is a little bit like Purdue after Carson Edwards, where with that big cog in the middle, making everything work, and obviously this is Lamar Stevens for Penn State, everything else around him looked better and everything seemed to fit. And the question is is going to be when you remove that one piece how do you reconfigure the remaining cogs and the ones you have coming in to make a machine that is roughly as good as the one before? And I don't see an obvious answer to that for Penn State. I mean, probably their second best player, Mike Watkins, is also gone. Uh, Maybe Penn State fans would disagree with that. I always liked him because of his mustache. Um, That's that's fair enough. Yeah, well, and the the other thing is... um, they they don't I don't know who they have on this roster that's capable of being an alpha dog. And the other thing is they do not have the track record that, for example, Matt Painter does of consistently developing guys into big contributors as upperclassmen.
0: Um, yeah, but guys guys that end up doing much more than you think they will when you look at the roster situation and such.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know so I don't know how this goes. I mean, it's not that they don't have useful pieces. Again, I mentioned Brockington, um, there's Miles Dredd. Uh, They've they've got guys, you know, maybe it's possible that they try to just take Seth Wundy, a guy who basically backed up Stevens, so he didn't play a whole lot. But if your thought is, why don't we just take this guy and see if he fits right back into that same cog shape that Stevens I mean, don't count on that to work to the same extent, but the long-term dividends could be great. I mean, if he ends up being another Stevens or stevens Light type of player. Well, and with more an,
0: importantly, if you can get more contributions from the rest of the lineup.
1: Bingo. If you can take advantage of the fact that the rest of these pieces are used to playing with a guy who does some of the things that Lundy does, then maybe you don't need him to carry as much of the scoring load, especially not right away. Um, that, I think, is probably their best way forward. There's not an obvious answer to that in the incoming recruiting class. They have a transfer point guard from Binghamton and Sam Sessoms. Sessoms with an S- M.
0: Sessoms.
1: But he has to sit out a year.
0: Um, that but, dude has eight... No, wait, 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 what? That dude has seven letters in his last name and four of them are S. Right. <laughs> Sam. This is now... Off-Tackle Empire ASMR podcast, Penn State transfer, Sam Sessoms. <laughs> Sam Sessoms takes the shot.
1: <laughs> hot. Yeah, find a way to get the SIB ones into it, yeah. Um, that's getting a little close to... Sam
0: Sessoms streaks down the sideline.
1: We're getting a little closer to the tony the tiger Sun Bowl content than i would like <laughs> that i'm comfortable with so we're, we're going to move on we're going to get to the rest of this recruiting class then we're going to wrap this up very quickly um <laughs> so the, the rest of the recruiting class there is they have a juco center coming in who could be very useful to plug the watkins hole um immediately but again Juco guys can be kind of hit or miss. I mean, sometimes they're useful. A lot of times that jump up in competition is just too much to handle. Um, They also have three prep guards coming in, but they are all outside the top 300 nationally. Chambers has made use of some under-recruited guys before, but it's it's hard to look at any of those guys as being instant impact. Again, the hope here is you've got guys that end up looking like miles Dredd or Myron Jones or you know those types of guys further down the line do not expect much from them next year um, but you're
0: thinking you're thinking the best comparison is just last year's Purdue team so essentially it's a team that could on any given night win or lose by 35 points
1: yeah I suppose um, but that they would still have to show that these role players are capable of that kind of occasional, inexplicable burst of productivity without Stevens in the middle of them. I guess we'll see. Um, We mentioned this in the past, I guess, you know, this is really the last, it's still the most recent news story that comes up for Penn State basketball, which kind of shows you the place they have in the sports ecosystem, but there's still the Rasir bolton affair, which does not seem like it's going to be an issue for Chambers. So Bolton was a former player, transferred out, I believe he's not at Iowa State, and he mentioned that a big part of the reason for him transferring out was because pat chambers made this comment referring to a noose um who knows what was in the mind and heart of chambers at that moment or what the context of the situation was it, it's you you gotta be more aware than that you can't say that kind of thing to a young black kid um it, you just you can't say it um it seems however, as though the, that like the the eye of Twitter has not landed on Chambers for that. like it was mentioned for a minute and it just got washed away, which happens to a lot of things that deserve more attention because we have the collective attention span of fruit flies in this country. So uh,
0: I'll tell you what you know if you've got any dirty laundry in your college athletics program, uh, find a way to leak it out now while we're doing coronavirus.
1: Yeah, I get you may as well because Iowa
0: did it. Perfectly, yeah, perfect. Fine.
1: <laughs> Perfectly good reason to avoid press conferences. Perfectly
0: Shit, good. If Urban to- <laughs> Meyer had managed to hold on a little longer, he'd still be the coach. Oh, if no he
1: If the Zach Smith stuff had come out this off season instead of two years ago, yeah, no, he'd he'd still be the coach. Absolutely, <laughs> no,
0: no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah, so none. this this is the ideal season for, for for dirty laundry to come out. Which
1: you heard it here, folks. Off tackle empire officially endorses the release of all incriminating public documents. Tell everything, confess your sins, admit your crimes, you'll probably just get away with it.
0: Now, yeah, let's get some video about what Paths Gerald had to say about the coronavirus. <laughs> your source for Big Ten Talk It's Off Tackle Empire!